Anyway, that was so good. That was so good. And uh, thank you all. Uh, I tell you, the thing I, I, I think about with that song, whenever I hear it, it's, it's actually one of, my, one of my favorite Billy Joel songs. Um, it's really kind of, I'm a child of the 60s. I started in the 60s as a 10-year-old, and I came out of them as a 20-year-old. And, and the 60s were a turbulent time. And I vividly remember, and I have several images in my mind, even at, at, this, at this many years past the 60s. I have many images in my mind of the 60s, and one of them is, this song certainly was written long after that, but, but this song reminds me of one of those images that I remember so well, particularly in the mid to late 60s. Some of, some of you here can remember this with me. And, and sort of the cry of that generation or of that decade, it was just the raised fist of I will live how I want to live and basically blank, blank the establishment or whomever, Okay. I remember that so well, and that was so much, at least one, of not the only one, but one of the battle cries of the 60s and so forth. And that, this song sort of represents that to me as I read those words and, and think of the, is my life, leave me alone. So whenever we start thinking about my life, I don't know what goes into your mind when you start thinking about my life. Maybe for some of you, you think about your profession, or maybe for some of you, you think about your, your family. Maybe it's all the above plus some other things. I, I wanted just to give you a couple very, very simple thoughts from two different, uh, two different walks of two very different walks of life as we have started just to think about this whole thing of my life. So I'm going to give you a couple quotes from great thinkers of the world. The first one, I'll just show it to you. If I had my life to live over, I'd live it over a saloon. W. C. Fields. Um, <laughs> Not sure that he really qualifies as a great thinker. That was tongue in cheek, but uh, what he thought about his life, actor of the uh, 30s and 40s and so forth. One of the, I, I think, more at times, thoughty. It's not a word. That's the word I like to use. A guy that a real a guy that provokes your thinking a lot was a, a French philosopher by the name of Camus. He said this, and I like this very much. I would rather live my life as if there is a God, and die to find out there isn't, than to live my life as if there isn't, and die to find out there is. That's pretty good. That's pretty good thinking. <laughs> I showed that to one of my friends recently who still kind of wrestling with the whole agnostic, atheist thing. And uh, said, just sort of thought on that and pondered on that for a while. I have one, basically one point that I want you to see this morning. I'm going to have a couple things to support that, but one point that I want you to see, and that is this. You have an audience of one to please with your life. You have an audience of one. And it's not your mate. It's not your dad or your mom. And it's not you. Sometimes we get that mixed up. Some years ago, I was just having a, sort of a pastoral counseling type of thing with a, with a friend and, and it was in a different place and they were talking about, well, I can't do this and I can't do that. And they were really having some problems in their marriage and in their life. And, and, um, and, and, and because of that, under some very difficult, unfortunate circumstances, because of that, they were making some wrong choices as well. And I said, you know, you're really not thinking about the big picture. 
when you make that particular decision. I won't go into the details of that decision. I said, you're not thinking about your, the, the big picture. You're, you're just kind of reacting here. And uh, they said, well, is, is, isn't it, is, didn't Jesus say to thine own self be true? And I said, uh, I think that was Shakespeare, but I'm not, I, I, kn- I know that it wasn't Jesus, okay? <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes we get that a little mixed up, you know, and I'm still not quite sure, I'm not positive that it was Shakespeare, but I know it wasn't Jesus, okay? I don't know Shakespeare as well as I know the Bible. So, um, so many times, though, we have that attitude, and we hear something like that, which there's truth in that statement, to thy known self be true, there's truth in that. But it doesn't mean that we live to please myself. And the Bible is very clear about this. And, and really, when you think about it, just, not just the Bible and ancient wisdom, but from a practical standpoint, living to please yourself is pretty, it's pretty, much, the, the, pretty much the depths of shallowness, if you don't want me saying it that way. It really is when you think about it. So what I want to do, I'm going to show you some, some other th- thoughts from other people. I want to show you the Bible first. Because I want to emphasize this statement, you have an audience of one to please with your life, and that audience is God and God alone. Now I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's in the New Testament, and I'm going to show it for you, I'm going to have it for you here on the, uh, on the screen on PowerPoint. And it, and it goes like this, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10, sooner or later we'll all have to face God. Whoa. Some Bibles read there, we'll all stand at the judgment seat of God. Regardless of our conditions, we will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant, you can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we're all one day, we'll all, well, excuse me, we'll all one day stand in the place of judgment. That's why we work urgently, and everyone we meet, we go to them ready, we, excuse me, that's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. He says, one day we're all, all of us, every single one of us, will stand before God's judgment seat to give an answer for our life. Now, when you get that thought in your mind, it sure changes a whole lot of things. And it certainly changes how you live. And you realize, it's not my life. Another passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, you are not your own. You were, you were, you were bought with a price by, by Christ, by God. And it goes on to explain there that you were bought. That's just what happened at the cross. Jesus gave his life for yours and mine. I'm not my own. It's not my life. It's a life that God has given me as my creator, as my God, and as my redeemer. So, so what? Now, what am I going to do with that? I mean, I, I really like that so what question. Um, what am I going to do with the fact that there's only really one person in life that I need to be concerned about pleasing, and that's God. Well, a lot of people have done a lot of different things. I want to show you two more quotes or thoughts that are just totally contradictory. But it gives you how some people handle this. First quote, Jimi Hendrix. I'm the one that has to die when it's time for me to die. So let me live my life the way I want to. He did. And he died. I don't know if he died the way he wanted to. But that's sort of the epitome of it's my life. 
Now, the great Roman thinker and philosopher Seneca said this, I will govern my life and thoughts as if the whole world were to see the one and read the other. For what does it signify to make anything a secret to my neighbor when to God, who is the searcher of our hearts, all our privacies are open? So he has a whole different attitude about this. You know, I'll govern my life and thoughts as if the whole world were to see the one and read the other. Because God is going to, God knows the secrets anyway. It's a funny thing about secrets. Sometimes we think we can keep secrets. We think we can, uh, we can hold things down and, you know, and those secrets have a way of coming out, don't they? Sometimes it's days, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years we start trying to keep secrets. It's not a good thing especially when it comes to the fact that you realize God knows my heart and knows everything anyway. What am I trying to do this for? So, so what do I do with all this? What do I do with this, this one truth that you have an audience of one to please? An audience of one. God Almighty. Um, well, I think that passage that uh, in 2 Corinthians is very clear. That's why that keeps us vigilant. That keeps us vigilant. You can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone. That's the Apostle Paul talking there about that's, that was his mission in life, to get people to understand someday you're going you're gonna to stand before God. And, and in a sense, that's one of my missions as a minister, as a pastor, is, is to get people to understand this is not just about you and me. It's about you and God. I just always get that. I always get it. And I... And I Almost always say something if I if I if it's given an opportunity. Many of you know I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a golfer. Well, I don't know. Can I say that? Um, um, my some of my golfing buddies are just sitting here looking at me. They're like they're not shaking their head at all. I love golf. Let me put it that way. Okay, and I play more than I should. And it's always funny because you know second tee at the latest. What do you do for a living? Oh, well, I'm an investment banker. Well, I do this and I do this. And then I just sort of try to, you know, lay back. Well, what do you do, Rich? Well, I'm a, I'm a minister, you know. And, um, and eventually, he's a minister. Oh, we got to. And then, of course, well, we got to watch our language. And, of course, my thought usually is after that is, gosh, if they're watching their language now, what is it like when I'm not around, for goodness sakes? But, but uh but one of the kind, and, and first of all, I don't want anybody to do that for me because I'm not, I'm not the important one. And I usually say, hey, I usually say something like, because oftentimes, guys, particularly ones that I don't know, that you get hooked up with in a foursome or something, and, and they'll just let a string of, you know, they'll use the F word for all seven parts of speech. And then, and then, <laughs> and, 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 and then I will just, they will just look at me, oh, excuse me. And I'm like, hey, you don't have a problem with me. <laughs> Between you and God, I don't care, you know, which, which is true. I mean, you know, you're not going to say anything I haven't heard. Maybe I've said it a time or two, you know, last year, 10 years ago, or maybe that was last week. No, um, no, and that's the thing. So many times we think about that, and the point is, these things are between us, me, individually, and God. And that's the issue here. So when we talk about this, like, that's why that keeps us vigilant. That's for you and me to be vigilant so we can be sure. There's no light thing to know. It's no light thing, you know, there's no light thing to know this. That we'll all one day stand in that place of judgment. Just think about that, just for a moment. I've been in some pretty, you and I both, we've all been in some pretty scary places. Remember the first time 
Remember the first time you went to the principal's office? Uh, am I the only one that's ever done that? And I, I remember it well. I think I was in like third grade. And I had this problem. I just kept talking all the time and the teacher didn't like it. So, you know, that's where I am. So, so, so and I, and I remember, I remember so well as a young kid. I was I'm going to go see the prince. I mean, you know, after a while, you, uh, you don't care anymore after about, you know. But at that, that first time, that first time, you're so nervous, you know. And, th- and then I, I, I take that further and, and, and later on in my life, and, and you can relate to this. You ever been in, in one of those positions where you are, are you, you're to go into an office and meet somebody who's, who's going to say yay or nay to this position that you really, really want? And you kind of walk in. This is the decision maker right here. Uh, granted, if you've got some life experience underneath, it's not, as, it's not as big of a deal as it was the first time. But I can remember some of those times where you just kind of walk in and you're kind of like, well, I want you to magnify that about a hundred times. And think what that's going to be like to stand before God. And he's going to say, hey, Rich, let's talk about your life. And I'm going to say, oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord God, please have mercy. And he will, and he has. And, of course, he's going to see my life differently because I have trusted him in spite of my faux pas and weaknesses and sins. It's going to be a little different for some who've just totally rejected God. And and those are the ones that I just plead with now. Come on. Think about the Camus statement. It's going to happen when you go. What happens if you're wrong? You don't believe in God. What happens if you're wrong? If if I'm wrong, so I've lived a little more of a moral life than maybe I would have before. Uh, Other than that, I don't lose. You know, that's the issue. Listen, you have an audience of one to please. That is God. And I want to talk just, I got seven statements here, just just sentences. I was going to kind of read through them. Um, Because of this, I live with an aura of, 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 of vigilance. Okay? I, I, because of understanding who God is, I live with this, I call it an aura of vigilance. And, and just, therefore, think through this. Take regular time to think about your life and its impact. When was the last time you did that? Just took some regular time to stop and think about my life and the impact that I'm having in life. What am I here for? Why did God make me? Those aren't easy questions, and those aren't questions that you're going to answer this afternoon or at the dinner table if you talk about this with somebody today or tomorrow. But it's a good discussion to have, and it's a good discussion to keep on having. And it's a good thought to pray, God, help me. Help me to know that. Help me to realize that. Think about your life and its impact. Secondly, don't don't allow the urgent. This is easy to say, harder to practice. Don't allow the urgent to automatically be the most important. Don't allow the urgent to automatically be the most important. Now, granted, that doesn't mean, you know, that something's urgent, you can ignore it. If the kids are waiting for you to pick them up, you can't ignore that. Or, or they have a place for you, then that's not going to be a very good place. But, but I'm not talking about that. But so many times we let so many things that are urgent just, just pound and pound and pound in our mind. And we never take time to really consider the important things. Um, my wife and I kind of went through a little bit of that after, we, after our last one went to college. We said, okay, here we are. Now we've been busy raising kids for 20 years. 
You know, who are you? Oh, well, here I am, you know. And, 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 and it's one of those things sometimes that, that happens when, you're, when you have what we all have, those of us who have kids at home and so forth. Well, don't wait till then if you can help it. Take some time to think through that. Don't allow the urgent to automatically be the important. Um, third thing, think, pursue, and pray about your life's purposes and passions. Think, pursue, and pray about your life's purposes and passions. That may change from season to season in your life. I always get a kick out of people coming out of college, these young guys and, and ladies now, and they go, I gotta, I gotta figure out my life career. I said, why don't you just figure out what you wanna do now? Because that might change 10 years from now, and that's okay. Because after that, it may change another 10 years after that. You know, the, the, and, and I've known so many people, uh, particularly older people, who've been in jobs for, 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 you know, 40 or 50 years. In some cases, it's just been a perfect fit and it worked out great. But in some cases, they were just as miserable as heck. Just miserable. But they had to stay there in that particular... God never intended anybody to live that way. So you, you, you need to pursue and pray and think through that. What a terrible thing to get to the end of your life or almost to the end of it. Like, well, I've been doing something I hate for... Made a great living, but I've been doing something I hate for the last 50 years. Jeez. Let me show you a quote from a guy. Uh, Tom Monahan was, is, a, is, a, is the billionaire founder of Domino's Pizza. And uh, there's an interview. And by the way, the interview, I have the web... And if you, if you go, when you go home and you check the website, um, you'll see action steps. Just punch on that. And I have some of these quotes and some other things. And this, the full interview that USA Today did with this guy was phenomenal. It was in the business section of USA Today last week or the week before. And I have the link that you can go right to it. It's a great interview. And a uh, very successful businessman. Used to own the Detroit Tigers and so forth. But listen to what he says. If you want to be successful over a long period, you have to have some idea why you were born and what life is about. I don't know how anybody can function without thinking that through. It's a... That's a business guy. He's a follower of Christ, too, by the way. But I just thought that's really good. The whole interview is excellent. Think, pursue, and pray about your life's purposes and passions. Um, Here's another thing. And I'm going to make the statement and talk about it for a moment. When this happens, when I have this attitude, I'm more vigilant about my actions, just how I live. Because I have someone... To who I am account- accountability is a big deal. It's kind of the kind of the buzzword of the of, of, of this last five ten years. Who's your accountability? Who's your accountability partner in business or or especially in, especially in a lot of churchy circles? They talk a lot about accountability. They have very little of it, but they talk a lot about it. And and really, the, the issue is accountability has the ultimate accountability is to God. That's really who we're accountable to. That's what the Bible teaches. What's most nothing wrong with having a friend who you can share things with, and he can beat you up, and you can beat them up, uh, figuratively speaking, and so on. That, that's good, and that's important. But accountability, obviously, ultimately, must come from God. But when I talk about this, I'm, I'm, I'm vigilant about my because I answer to somebody else. I have a friend here, and I don't, I won't point him out because I'm not sure he wants me to use this illustration. But, um, but it's, it's, I think it's a great illustration. My friend, from time to time. Promises that he's going to take me sometime. This is a, a, a slice of culture that I've never uh, never experienced. From time to time, goes to a racetrack, and um, they just I, I, he says that he it's just fine. So whatever, and uh, and they bet a little money and they win a little money, lose a little money, and in the end of the day, I think he says they usually come out fairly even or something. Anyway, I keep saying I want to go sometime. I want to I want to experience this whole thing. 
And, of course, my wife is like, uh, you can go, but I'm, you know, giving you how much you're taking with you. But um, my friend saw somebody's billfold or money club fall out of his pocket at one of these, I don't know whether it was Meadowlands or somewhere else, and immediately went over to, to get it, to give to them, because it had a lot of, you know, you could see some hundreds in it and stuff. And, um, and as he went to, to go pick it up, and he was going to hand it to the guy, somebody else ran across the room and said, hey, that's mine. I saw it first. <laughs> who, of course, wanted to keep it. You know, and my friend was like, I don't care who saw it first. He picked it up and it's his. And I just handed it to him. So what makes two different people who see the same thing fall out of somebody's pocket, one say, here, this is yours, and the other say, I want that? I think it's who they answer to. I think it's who they answer to. My friend answers to God, and he knows that. I don't know who the other guy answers to, probably himself. But, but that's, what, that's the practical, it, it makes a difference even on something as simple as that. Who, who are you going to answer to? Um, when I understand this, it helps me understand something else. And I, I've got to, yeah, it, 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 I can accept, um, I'm trying to, I've got a word here I'm probably trying to clean up. And, uh, but I've already got it in my notes, so I guess it's inspired. Um, I cannot, it gives me the ability to accept job crap, okay? Um, knowing, I'm, knowing I'm going to answer for me. Here's what I mean by that. And a friend, another friend of mine pointed this out to me. He's been going through a difficult time uh, with some of the stuff that goes on in some of the, some of the large companies in terms of losing retirement and, and you know, Enron, uh, WorldCom type of things, and how hard it was for my friend to accept some of these issues in his life. And he says, when I understand that, that I'm accountable, me, myself, and I alone to God, it helps me to accept some of this other stuff, knowing I can't do anything about him. And it, what he did or they did may be so wrong that it is just... They ought to, I'm not saying they will, but they ought to burn in the deepest, darkest part of hell. And you may feel that way, and, and, and you know, we won't deal with that issue, but you can feel that way. But the point is this, when you understand, but I can't do anything about them. I talked to a lot of ex-husbands and wives about this, too. You know what he's doing, you know what she's doing, it doesn't matter. You can only do something about you. When you understand I and I alone am, am, am answerable, am accountable to one person, it helps you accept some of that stuff better. Because I'm not responsible for them. Well, I don't like it, and I really don't like how it's affected me. But hey, I still got to answer for me. Because they really screwed up, because they, they did this or that. doesn't give me an exemption <laughs> to do something else. So when you think about that, you become more other-centered. Um, you, you know, the, the thing, you just become more humble. You have more humility. You realize, to use a, some prose, you realize you are not the captain of your ship or the master of your fate. You're not. Doesn't mean that you don't try to be diligent. Doesn't mean you don't try to work hard. But you're not the captain of your ship. So many things are out of your control. Some of you guys know that, and some of you, some of you guys and ladies that are in, that are in uh, finance, you know, just a little tweak here and a little tweak here, nobody's fault, or this person's fault, or whatever, can just change everything, and it can. So many things. You know, one of the things about, there are a few advantages 
to growing older. Not many, but there are a few. And one of them is it gives you a lot better perspective of life. And you're able to look at things and you're, be able, and you're able to say, you know, all those things that I just worked so hard that I thought I had control of when I was in my 30s and 40s, I didn't have control after all. Thought I did, but then this happened and I didn't have any control. So many things that you think you're in control of, you're not. And that's why there is a God in heaven. It doesn't mean that I understand why he does some of the things that he does. It doesn't mean that I, I understand why God allows some of the things that he allows, some of the people to do some horribly, horribly wicked, evil things, whether it be running into buildings or whether it be bilking a, a retirement fund of some huge company. It doesn't mean that I can understand that, but it does mean this, hey, I got me to deal with. And that's a big enough project for me when I'm answering to God. All this begins, all this begins as you give your life back to God. Giving your life back to God. Because it was his anyway. You only thought you had control. You only thought it was your life. It's his life. And when I give my life back to God, it just makes things a lot easier. Doesn't mean I don't struggle. Doesn't mean I don't have some tough issues that I have to deal with because I do. Let me give you this thought, and we're going we're gonna to stop. And, and, uh, but this is, just, this is one of those quotes that I have. Um, well, I've had it over my desk for a number of years. It's one of those quotes that just sort of rings true with you. It's not Bible, but it sort of should be. It's, it sort of represents the Bible. It comes from a missionary who, who actually lost his life uh, as a missionary in South America and was, was actually killed, martyred by the people he was seeking to bring the love of Christ to. His name is Jim Elliott, and I want, you to, I want you to look at the quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Talking about an eternal relationship with God. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, your life, to gain what he cannot lose. That is a relationship with God on earth and after I go to be with God after I die. Let me say it one more time. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for these truths, these thoughts, these things for us to dwell on, think through, pray about contemplate. Lord, I pray each one of us would do that in our own way, and in, 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 in our own way, whether it be with uh, someone who we love and trust, or whether it be just, just by ourselves alone with you. I pray that not many hours would pass, that each one of us would give some thought to some of these issues, and, and all with this overlying truth that there is only one person that I have to please with my life. And it's not me, but it's you, God. We thank you for this. We, we thank you, Lord, that we can come here and think on these things and realize that you sent Jesus to come in our place. Give us the ability to have our life back, a life with God, a relationship with you. As, as Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and then rose again to give us eternal and abundant life. We are grateful. Thank you for your grace. 
for your mercy and for your forgiveness and for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.